Hello, on behalf of the Independent Research Forum, welcome to this IRF podcast. I'm David Osman, and with me today is Francois Bouton Dufresne of Sustainable Market Strategies, an ESG consultancy firm that specialises in bespoke environmental, social, and governance related research and investment advice. Our subject for this podcast is how ESG investing can consistently generate alpha. The Independent Research Forum promotes an extensive range of the best independent research providers from around the world, both macro and micro, some stock pickers, some sector specific, some country specific, many global and all are investment related. Given the growing importance of ESG investing to financial institutions and their clients, I'm very pleased that we're joined today by Francoise Bouton-Dufresne, who is a co-founder and managing partner of Sustainable Market Strategies. Founded as recently as 2018, Sustainable Market Strategies is an independent investment strategy research service that tracks global developments in the ESG and impact investing space. Their expert advice based on a comprehensive knowledge of ESG megatrends and how these trends can be useful to better understand the markets and to make profitable investment calls. Francoise is an economist and investment strategist with almost 20 years of international experience in policy making, capital markets, sustainable finance and development finance. Francoise has held roles at the International Monetary Fund, the Canadian government, and most recently in the capital markets. He is also currently affiliated with HEC Montreal, where he teaches economics and finance at MBA and executive levels. Francois, welcome. First, let's begin with a brief introduction to the advisory service that Sustainable Market Strategy provides and the way that you cover the various evolving elements of ESG investing. Thank you very much, uh, David, for the kind introduction. Uh, hello to all. We founded Sustainable Market Strategies back in 2018, uh, given the growing interest of investors in ESG. In fact, something that David did not mention is that I did my master's thesis on corporate social responsibility and financial risks back in 2000, at a time when this whole ESG thing was not even a concern for financial markets. And this came back strongly uh, in the past, I say, last five or six years, as many investors now cannot afford not to have an ESG strategy. And looking at all the fund of flows that we're seeing into the ESG space, it's increasingly getting harder for investment managers not to have something smart uh, to do about ESG. And this is why we founded our service, which is now being uh, used by you know, some of the, wor the world's largest asset management firms, uh, and we're quite happy about that. So what we do is that we do research on ESG themes top-down, and we try to build investment strategies that make sense from an ESG-minded investor standpoint, but also from a financial performance, uh, alpha-adjusted, obviously, standpoint. So this is why our, our research is quite unique. We bridge the space between the high-level ESG issues and bring it down to actionable investment strategies. How can ESG investments deliver outperformance consistently? 
So this is a, an interesting question we get really often, and you see this in the media. It's, it, we all, always come back to this question uh, often, uh, as many investors still believe that ESG investing comes with a cost in terms of return. And this came maybe from the 90s when we were talking about socially responsible investing, when some investment strategies were screening out uh, entire sectors, think tobacco, think uh, oil and gas, for instance, because they wanted to build investment strategies which uh, reflected the values of uh, in their investors. Now, this uh, is maybe early stage ESG investing as we had it in the 1990s, but today we're more looking into uh, ESG, let's say, megatrends. And this is what we do in our research. We look into megatrends and we see to, to what extent are these megatrends uh, transforming the real economy and transforming the flow of funds within financial markets and how should we be positioned to best answer the, the changing landscape of both the real economy and the, the flow of funds in the financial economy, if you want, which is all moving into the ESG space. So some markets, say, estimates suggest that by 2030, there's going to be something like $150 trillion worth of ESG strategies out there in terms of assets being managed. So, you know, even if you, you don't believe in ESG as, a, let's say, a market moving factor, there's still so much money being moved into that space that you better get a grasp of those ESG megatrends and position your own investment strategies, multi-asset class, uh, against those megatrends. So are institutional investors becoming more aware of the way that ESG investing can be used as a source of alpha? Well, it varies at, at various levels, right? I mean, one thing we note, because we talk to many institutional investors uh, all around the world, is that ESG is being treated still as, in some cases, a, a kind of a compliance more function within the organization, a research function, and certainly a good communication marketing function, right? I mean, most asset management firms now have very nice uh, marketing material based on their ESG strategies. That said, when you turn to the investment silo of those asset managers, it's, it becomes quite, it's much more hard to get portfolio managers and chief investment officers uh, interested in ESG investing because they don't find it material enough, or perhaps is that the issue uh, is that the people talking ESG don't talk the, the, the chief investment officer language, they don't talk the portfolio manager's language. And this is what our research does. It's really targeted and curated for investment decision makers. And we hope that we're going to help bridge the gap between those ESG teams or compliance teams, communication teams, and marketing teams who all want more ESG but have, are having a hard time convincing their investment folks to get into this. And, and the only way to get into this is to show the investment folks that you, gotta, you have to use ESG as a source of alpha. And the way you do this in the financial world is that you've got to do deep down research based on data, based on trends, based on market valuations, based on forward-looking research that will explain the, the destiny, how this is going to change uh, the market going forward. And this is what we've been doing for the past two years. So can you give us a couple of examples of how your ESG macro strategies relate to the energy sector? Well, one big thing we've been researching for the past two years is, uh, let's say, the oil sector. So many, many of you are aware of the, uh, let's say, the divestment movement uh, around the world. Many pensions, universities, endowments have 
left the oil and gas sector uh, because of pressures they've been getting from their own stakeholders. So this has been uh, a movement that's been out there. It's very vocal. Some university professors actually resigned here in Canada because their pensions were invested into oil and gas stuff. And we've been researching this trend for the most of the last two years. And one thing we've seen is, first of all, about 20% of the assets that were once invested into the global oil and gas sector have now left the asset class, if you want, because of that divestment movement. And this is having important implications on the pricing of oil and gas stocks. From a market pricing perspective, these stocks have been affected quite negatively. But also from a real economy side, what we're seeing is that the oil and gas sector is being technologically surpassed by the whole electric vehicles movement. And what we've been seeing lately is that you have the chief executives of a company like BP, for instance, said that, you know, we forecast the peak of demand for oil being 2030. So now we're in a narrative, even in, within the oil sector, oil and gas sector, we went from uh, peak oil supply to peak oil demand in 2030. And that's been changing. This is going to be changing fundamentally the way these companies will be able to generate cash flow for their investors. So we've been taking a quite negative stance on the global oil and gas sector these past few years. And we were proven right given the market valuation who's, who's shown that basically if you've been investing in oil and gas from a total return point of view these past 10 years, you, you've been actually losing money. And uh, going forward, we don't see any narrative of this sector coming back uh, anytime soon. And does that have implications for things like copper, aluminum? There is a narrative actually suggesting that the new energy narrative will be one of electrification. So sectors that will uh, benefit from this ele global electrification trend, just think about all those countries who've promised to have a net zero economy. Think about Europe, the US to some extent, China also has promised to become net zero by 2060. This will accelerate a trend in electrification and electrification uh, typically suggest a strong demand for uh, basic materials such as copper and aluminum going forward. So that is one, let's say, derivative of this energy transition narrative that we're seeing in the market. And we would expect that if you take a somewhat long view on this trend, you may be sitting in the right seat. And what are your macro strategies for the ESG food sector? Well, the food sector is interesting because this is one where obviously the, the, the pandemic has changed a bit the way we approach food, uh, the, the, the fridge being closer uh, as ever to our workspace now. But what we're seeing is that a lot of millennials, for instance, are not eating meat anymore. You've seen the growth in vegan for many generations. A lot of people actually are just eating less and less meat and changing the way they're getting their proteins. So obviously, this is some sort of ESG megatrend because the way we're getting our proteins when it came from meat, it was actually quite destructive from an environmental standpoint. Think about the, all these meat companies encouraging Brazilian farmers to burn down the Amazon to make some cattle ground. Uh, well, that actually is putting a, it's a downward trend on uh, the consumption of meat, basically, and this is good probably for the environment. And then looking to plant-based solutions, looking to sustainable aquaculture, those are emerging themes we're seeing in the market. And certainly uh, some teams that will be in favor uh, in the next couple of years. And how important is long-termism as a consideration for ESG investing? Well, as you know, I mean, a lot of people in the market are, are currently commenting that most companies are still managing their, let's say, you know, profit bottom line on a quarterly basis. 
And that is uh, coming with some level of irritation for long-term investors, typically pension funds. You take a 25-year view on an asset class or sometimes even on a stock or a position. And when you have incentives in companies where you see that management is incentivized only on a quarterly basis as opposed to on a, let's say, you know, five-year or 10-year basis, then the, your, your willingness to invest in a company like this, if you're an ESG-minded investor and typically you go in for the long-term you really want to be careful, but we're seeing that some companies now are changing the way they, they actually pay back to investors, and they've, they've uh, created a second class of investors who, you know, some of them holding the stock for longer periods, such as five years and more, will get a higher dividend yield or a dividend bonus, if you want, than those who are just in for the short term. So you're rewarding the long-term investor uh, as opposed to, uh, or in a different fashion than, let's say, the hedge fund or the, the day trader who's going to be investing in and out of your stock. And this is good for the, the health of the overall financial market. It's probably also good for the health of, let's say, the quality of governance of those companies. I would want to be invested in a company which takes a long view on issues and is able to maybe make some short-term sacrifices with the view of changing the nature of the company. So think about this energy transition narrative that I've mentioned earlier with big oil companies such as BP. These companies will have to make short-term sacrifices in order to finance the longer-term transition costs. And I, uh, we have yet to see how this will change the incentives uh, for management of those companies, but also how they will reward investors who will be stayed invested for the long-term within those companies. Uh, and that will improve stewardship as well. Well, that's a big question, right? I mean, long-term, a long-term investor is also a steward of assets, and we are, to some extent, we're a steward of everything here. We've inherited a planet. We have to make something out of it, and I think taking this long-term view is what uh, investors are looking for, at least ESG-minded ones, and given the amount of money you're seeing into ESG, and I agree with you, a lot of this is going to be most, unfortunately, some greenwashing, but still, it is a mega trend you cannot ignore. So if you ignore it, you're probably leaving some money on the table as opposed to an investor who's actually understanding those trends, investing into them, understanding which ones are solid from the ones that are more greenwashing. And if you take a forward-looking approach to these ESG megatrends or ESG themes, then this is how you, one can actually build smart investment strategies around them. Francois, thank you for this very interesting and informative insight into the service that it's provided by Sustainable Market Strategies. With more time, it would be interesting to discuss more of the various forward-looking bespoke strategies that Sustainable Market Strategies devise for those investors who seek to enhance the performance of their funds under management by adopting key ESG themes. The Independent Research Forum is offering a one-month free trial to the Sustainable Market Strategies service and can provide details of how to subscribe to their full service. More information is available on request from the Independent Research Forum. Thank you for listening to this IRF podcast with Francoise Bouton-Duchesne of Sustainable Market Strategies.